Hey everybody, how we all doing? I'm Michael, I'm joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And we're here with part three of our series on Resident Evil here on Falling Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good, good. I have basically been this past week reading nothing but stuff about Resident Evil, and I don't think I understand any of it. I don't think I have any further knowledge about it, but I'm going to just... We're going to yeah. be talking for two more hours about even as the, even more ridiculous Resident Evil things, as things just continue to completely escalate and become as Capcom as possible. Okay, yeah. It, it sounds like you are going mildly insane. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because... We're going to be covering three games today. Uh, Resident mm. Evil Revelations, Resident Evil Revelations 2, a game that should not exist. <laughs> and then finally, we're going to culminate with a game that was kind of sort of supposed to be the end of all of it. Like even more uh -huh. so than Resident Evil 5 was supposed to be. And that's uh -huh. Resident Evil 6, a game that has four storylines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so look forward to that. So yeah, uh, needless to say, uh, it has been a very, very busy week of uh, watching cutscenes, replaying certain things, uh, reading up on various different characters, all to try to piece together something that I, like, literally when we get to Resident Evil 6 and I start talking about it, it's going to seem like a jumbled mess, because that is exactly what that story is. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to get into this, so... We probably should go ahead and jump on in there, I would say, because, boy, do we have a lot to cover. <laughs> so I guess we'll go ahead and start with Resident Evil Revelations. Alex, have you ever heard of or played this game? I have heard of it. Um, I'll be honest, I have not played it. I think I played the demo for Revelations 2. Mm, and I am still not completely sure what the official reason for either of these games to exist is. Oh, the fun thing is that once we get to the end of this, uh, you're going to find mm -hmm. that neither of these games need to. And in fact, we're going to be moving through at least one of these games very briefly. The okay. other game we're going to spend a little bit more time with because I kind of want to just to emphasize just how useless it is. <laughs> okay, fun. But yeah, it, Resident Evil Revelations, uh, the first game, was released for the Nintendo 3DS. Good in, start. Yeah, in 2012. Um, Nintendo 3DS, a really cool little portable console that was, you yeah. know, surprisingly powerful for the time. Uh, yeah. As far as its 3D graphics and whatnot. And actually is reflected in Resident Evil Revelations. It's actually a pretty nice game. And it eventually would get ported to like Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3 and whatnot. And they would just... Pretty much just like up-res the graphics, and it kind of actually works relatively well. Now, this game was kind of meant to be a prequel to Resident Evil 5 to kind of explain how everything kind of built up to that game, as well as also just expand the universe and explain things like, oh, the BSAA and like what's up with the government agency, the FBC, like what's their deal and how do they all fit into this new bioterrorism world that's kind of... Uh, was starting to kick off with Resident Evil 4 and expounded upon in Resident Evil 5. Didn't they explain all of that in Resident Evil 5, though? Uh, they did, and as we're going to find out when we get to the end of this game, it's like, oh, you didn't really need to bother with that, did you? you it's, mm -hmm. this, this was kind of... You just wanted to make another game where you played as Chris Redfield and Joel Valentine and just called a day. Yeah, okay. 
and do some cool touchscreen stuff because the 3ds has a touchscreen right <laughs> it's like all a right. feature that makes the game much harder to port to other systems it, it kind of turns out yeah which you'd think the capcom would be hyper aware of when it comes to resident evil you think they would be, although to be fair, if I remember correctly, the touchscreen in Revelations is basically just used for a map, and then there's icons you can oh. press so you can quick, quickly select between your different weapons. And he went, what if we just displayed the map on screen, and you could press pause? Right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a real... It's a real useless game, as we're going to get <laughs> to by the end of this. Although one that was, like decently well received like mm -hmm. an 8.0 out of 10 sort of game right now there was a demo that did get released for this game beforehand that actually is like its own custom scenario which is kind of neat you know they mm. like like hey you know how about you play through this separate scenario that kind of sets up the events of this game and when you jump to the game proper you could just start from there right uh now this game was notable because uh, now this demo was particularly notable because of the character that was featured in it a character by the name of rachel who I was talking about this with my girlfriend last night about how like you know sometimes there's like media out there that's like unabashedly horny oh mm -hmm. and how like if it's just like if it just wears it on its sleeve and it's like oh yeah no every everything about this is just 100% horny it's kind of fine it's like whatever who cares right you know nothing wrong with that but how it's incredibly weird when you have a piece of media where everyone else really isn't like that and then there's one character who's like just look at my breasts and you're like yeah yeah so, so have you ever seen the character that you play as in the demo of resident evil revelations i don't believe that i have Ooh, okay i'm gonna pull this up give me one second this is important okay i'm i'm looking i'm waiting i'm anticipating uh-huh uh-huh uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Actually, wow. want to describe that for the audience. Uh, this is a, I'm going to say, shapely woman with uh, large breasts and a full-body jumpsuit, which is unzipped from the neck down to below the navel, mm -hmm. and uh, just her hair covering her eyes for, yes. for some reason. Um, yeah. And you never see her eyes ever. Her eyes literally are just completely covered by these ridiculous bangs. Or I actually don't even know if those technically qualify as bangs. It's more like she just grabbed her entire long hair, wrapped them around her head, and just yeah, it's yeah, it is like this might be the worst character design I've ever seen in Resident Evil. It might be, and uh, reader at home, I encourage you to look up Rachel Foley RE Revelations. Uh, oh. Just, to, just to, just to take a look at that, and like look up like how Jill Valentine looks in this game, and like see like boy, this is nothing about it. Why did you go? Why? With this? Yeah, why? Yeah. Why does this? Why this one? And again, it's so amazing because like it's very clear that they want you to be looking at one thing on her, like not even right. Like, like, people are usually attracted to, like, eyes and whatnot, so they made sure to intentionally cover the eyes. It's, right. It is so amazing! Anyways, the devil, when he plays her, ends with her getting murdered ah. by bioweapons on a cruise ship. And that's where we pick up with our game that we're going to be talking about right now, Resident Evil Revelations, a game that canonically takes place in the year 2005. So, Alex, by this point, um, 
this is a uh, post Resident Evil Four, right before Resident Evil Five, and mm-hmm. around just to give you kind of the state of the world and whatnot, the BSAA um, has been formed. The you know the bioterrorism group that's like weird NGO funded sort of thing, right? Uh, alongside the FBC, which is like the official U.S. federal agency for dealing with bioterrorism. Mm-hmm. Now, it takes place at one year after an event where a city. An Aquapolis, a weird floating city on the water called Terra Grigia, is apparently been, like, completely melted. Now, uh-huh. you're probably wondering, how did that happen? Well, as this helpful, like, news reporter tells it, it's like, oh, yeah, one year ago, Terra Grigia was attacked by this evil bioterrorist called Il Veltro. Now, Veltro, like, unleashed a bunch of bio weapons and, like, viruses in the city. Mm-hmm. And in response to that, they decided that they were going to use this satellite that was providing the city with energy. It was like a solar satellite and would uh-huh. the energy down. They instead just used that satellite to melt the entire city, killing all the bioweapons and everyone in it, and also causing the city to sink into the ocean. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, oh boy, that's bad. Anyways, after that, uh, Il Veltro was considered to be completely destroyed with that, and everything was completely fine. The end. The end. Ex- I, I want to point out that we basically had, like, more or less a one-game transition mm-hmm. from, like, uh, there's some zombies in a lab, and sometimes those zombies are big, to, mm-hmm. uh, we got laser satellites just yeah. just melt the bioweapon outbreak on the floating city <laughs> with the laser satellite also bioterrorism is now such a problem that we have to have multiple government organizations yeah. and ngos and this is just like a occurring thing that just can sort of happen like resident evil 4 was a little bit wild and mm-hmm. mostly we said that because it had a really big fish mm-hmm. and then by five it was like oh yeah just global bio weapon plagues gotta shoot them with the laser satellites gotta shoot them with the laser satellites that's the only way to stop it like the abruptness with which this goes off the rails is shocking it really is it really is and this is how basically the game opens yeah i'm doing the events a little out of order but like the things i'm talking about happen within like the first like i'd say 30 minutes of the game it's it's weird it's weird so we cut to this abandoned uh, cruise ship that's in the Mediterranean called the mm. Queen Zenobia. Now, it turns out the BSAA got some hints that like there's like some sort of weird bioweapon stuff going on there. So our girl, Jill Valentine, and her new partner, whose name is Parker, uh, kind of a heavier set man with like long hair and like goatee, kind of like uh-huh. him. He's, uh, they basically just bore there because they're like, hey, man, there's something going on here. Also, we heard that our teammate, Chris Redfield, he got kidnapped and he might be on board this ship. So we got to go figure out what's going on here. So as they go through the ship, they find out that first off, everyone on there is dead. I'm, I'm sorry. How many games have now started with, we got to figure out where Chris is. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, like Resident Seth Evil Roll. 2, Code Veronica, and now this one. <laughs> So three, yeah, Could we three. just put like a tracking chip under his skin or something? <laughs> yeah, you know, just uh, the man needs to be tagged or something. Something, God, he cannot be without an escort. 
so yeah, they they go through the ship to try to like find him and whatnot. Um, like Jill actually find Rachel's dead body, like all covered in blood and whatnot, like surrounded by like weird goopy bioweapons. Oh, good. And we find out that these new bioweapons that are attacking, like they literally are like goop monsters that when you kill they dissolve because, well, the 3ds needs to save on resources. Right. Yeah. These creatures are called the ooze, and they're being infected with a new virus called T-Abyss. Or (laughs) T-Dash-Abyss. Oh my god. So, Jill finds Chris is, like, tied up on a chair in, like, this room. She's like, oh no, Parker, we need to go rescue him. And so they, like, they get into that room, only to find that Chris's head falls off? Because it turns out he's a mannequin. A very realistic-looking mannequin. Ah. Okay. And like, uh, what? And then the door closes, and then gas flows in there, and they all get knocked out. But not before a man in a weird gas mask shows up to basically taunt them and be like, you're about to learn the truth behind everything. The dialogue, by the way, in this entire game is absolutely awful. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. As I'm going to explain now, as we go and to, I cut to like a scene in a snowy mountain range in Eastern Europe, where we see Chris Redfield and his new partner, Jessica, are going to investigate an airport that's there that may be run by Veltro, who might possibly be back. So Jessica, a new character whose basically entire thing is to be like, look at me, I am basically a supermodel. Uh, Mm -hmm. Also, I really, really, really want to have sex with Chris. To the point I'm just like, like, flopping into his arms dramatically so I could be caught by his big, strong, manly arms. Uh Uh-huh. And is also, like, very, very insecure about the fact that Jill Red- uh, Jill Valentine exists. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. She's like, what does Jill mean to you? And he's like, uh, she's, she's my partner. <laughs> we survived we survive some zombies. But yeah, her, enti- her entire thing is basically just to be kind of insecure and also mysterious. Hmm. So, as, uh, as they're going through the mouths, they see that like, a plane crashes and they find, like, bunch of, like, lumpy, like, flesh things and whatnot, which, like, when Chris finds, he's like, I found traces of virus here! These lumps of flesh! (laughs) (laughs) And then they see, like, they get attacked by dogs, they have, like, ribs jutting out of them and whatnot, and Chris is like, hey, watch out, I think they're infected! Really? Really? (laughs) And another good bit of dialogue is that Jessica's like, this is why I like chihuahuas. And it's like, you you just want these people to shut up. It's awful. Oh, boy. Anyways, they get to the airport, or at least um, they get to a like cliff that's like overlooking the airport, and like, hey, it's the airport. And then they get called by their director of the BSAA, a man by the name of O'Brien, who's like, hey, uh, Joe and Parker went missing. You need to go find them. They're like, oh, okay, we'll go do that right now. Where are they? They're like, they're on a ship in the Mediterranean. It's like, you got to go find them. We don't know where exactly. It's like, okay, we're, we're on it. Uh, you should send somebody to investigate this airport we found. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, they just leave. <laughs> they just leave? Does the game take place in the airport at all? Uh, eventually it does. In a way that's very infuriating, but yes. Ah, uh, what? <laughs> and they literally like, see this airport that they're supposed to go to and investigate, and they're like, oh, Jill's missing? Chris is like, well, I guess we gotta go find him. Send somebody else to this airport. <laughs> That we're already basically at. That doesn't feel like the best allocation of resources, but okay. Oh, it's not. But as we're... Oh, boy. As we get through this game, it's gonna... You're gonna be questioning a lot of decisions, or as, as well as, like, why the BSAA even exists. So, 
during all this, by the way, there's also like weird flashbacks where like uh like Jill is like talking to O'Brien, like figuring out like events, the secret behind what happened at Terra Grigia and whatnot, and like all sorts of like weird stuff that's going on with that. And I should describe O'Brien really quickly. O'Brien is like the kindly leader of the entire team. Uh, he looks like Columbo from, you know, Detective Columbo. Okay. And um, he his entire thing is that he's like just a guy who just wants to do some good, do the right thing. And he's really, really hung up about how they had to melt an entire city to stop a bioterrorist attack. Mm, yep. Okay, fair. Which, um, as we find out in the cutscene, uh, that's like a flashback to like right before everything went to complete hell in Terra Grigia, uh, it turns out he was really, really against using the satellite weapon. Now, the person who heads the FBC, though, a man by the name of General Morgan, who is like this dude with like long white hair and like a very pointy white goatee, like a business suit. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, no, we have to do this. You know, we, we have to unleash hell on the city in order to stop hell from infecting the earth. Uh, his entire thing is that he like basically quotes like Dante throughout the entire game. And Great. Really, oh, oh, good. Oh, it's really annoying. There's so much Dante's Inferno in this that it is very pretentious and I hate it. Anyway, see, like talks about like we get we see this flashback where it's like, yeah, all this is happening. And also like we find out that like Parker and Jessica used to be part of the FBC. But then after all Terra stuff happened, they got fed up and joined the BSAA. So yeah, he basically the whole point is that O'Brien is just like really hung up about what happened one year ago. Right. Okay. So uh we cut back to the Queen Zenobia. And basically, like uh Jill and Parker manage to escape their confinement and whatnot. They're like and like they just like basically start going throughout the entire ship to like figure out what's going on. Uh they eventually run into this man with red hair who like is wearing like a nice like suit vest. Mm-hmm. Uh, who immediately like holds Parker up with a gun, and Parker's like, "Wait, Raymond, what are you doing here?" So it turns out Raymond is part of the FBC, and he was also in the Terra Grigia incident as well back when he was just a rookie. And like Parker basically helped save his life and whatnot, and he just happens to be here for some reason. Uh, he asks him why he's here, and Raymond's like, "I'm not going to tell you," and just walks off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you, like, literally find him in the next room. He's like, oh, yeah, you probably need to go and, like, deal with all this. I'm just going to be here. I'll, I'll help you out when needed. Okay, so, good character establishment, I good guess. Good character establishment, right? Yeah. There's a lot of situations here where a character will, like, basically yell at another character and then just run away. And then you'll run into him five minutes later and like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, so Raymond also reveals that he did come here with a partner by the name of Rachel, or unfortunate blonde lady with the bad hairstyle who's now incredibly dead and joe's right. like okay well if i see her i'll try to rescue her or let you know or whatnot because you know, jill doesn't know that that was rachel that she okay found. right so the, raymond doesn't describe her at all oh no not at all not at okay. all yeah it's uh <laughs> it's it's great it's great so I during this, of course, we also get more cuts, like cuts back to like the scene in like at Terra Grigia. Like we get a really good cutscene, like the city being melted, which it's actually like really good production values on that. I was like, man, huh. it's a really good cutscene. But but yeah, we cut back to Chris and Jessica. They're now trying to search for um, the Queen Zenobia. Jessica says, I thought the Mediterranean was just a big lake. How is it so hard to find a ship? OK, I'm sorry. 
they sent these operatives into this mission and didn't have any geo tracking on the ship they were sending them into? Apparently not, no. Yeah, apparently not at all. They have, like, laser satellites at the ready, but they don't have any kind of recon satellite support? <laughs> I None. Okay, great. <laughs> no, I, the thing about the BSAA is I think it just literally consists of, like, eight people and Director O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, okay. That... And, like, their resources are, like, three paper clips and, like, all the assault rifles. And they just did not spend any money on anything else. <laughs> Okay, good. Good. How how could these people possibly fail to keep us safe from bioterrorism? Oh, it's it's going to get even better. So they land, they actually find the ship and they land on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so they like explore throughout it and like they're like, "Okay, we got to find Jill and whatnot." And they're like, "Well, we can't seem to find her. Uh, man, where is she? This is really crazy." And like they eventually like like find like that there's like a like a lab on here that's like doing like bioterrorism experiments and you're like okay. oh wow that's kind of strange so like they destroy that lab and like a whole bunch of stuff goes on there uh during this time the, the bsaa does send another team to that airport that we talked about uh-huh and this team consists of a comedy relief duo of uh some dude who looks vaguely like vin diesel who basically has the host for jessica but ha- says a bunch of really terrible one-liners and a man who is like just like the skinny, like tall black man who's just like basically there to just like I might be like I don't really care about anything. Uh huh. They make a bunch of bunch of very dumb jokes and do pratfalls. Okay, that's there's the Capcom. There's the Capcom. Yeah, it's it's terrible, and you <laughs> play as these characters way too much in this game. Wow. Well, they find a computer, and it turns out uh, one of them's like a hacking expert, and they find the. They find, like, the coordinates for the Queen Zenobia, and they're like, okay, we found this, and we also found some information as well that O'Brien would like to see about, like, the incident with Terra Grigia. We're going to send that all off to them. And so O'Brien gets that information to Chris, and it turns out um, they're not actually on the Queen Zenobia. Oh. It turns out there's two derelict cruise ships that are identical in the Mediterranean, and Chris and Jessica went to the wrong one. Oh, that's actually kind of a nice twist. It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of dumb, too, but it's also, it's, like, legitimately unexpected and makes more sense than most things so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it kind of does. It's, it's like, it's, it's a dumb twist, but it was one that's like, oh, okay, yeah, I, kind of, I find that kind of funny. <laughs> so they're like, oh, I, I guess we should leave then. All right, let's go to the, <laughs> let's go to the other ship. And, like, during this time, like, it's becoming clear that O'Brien knows more than he lets on. Because, like, O'Brien's like, man, it was all set up. And Chris mm-hmm. is like, wait, how was it a set up? It's like, uh, um. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and Chris is like, you're going you're gonna to tell me that? You're going to tell me what's going on? He's like, uh, l- later, anyways. <laughs> I got I to gotta make some phone calls. Because during all this time, Jill and Parker are still trying to find a way off the ship. Mm-hmm. They act the Queen Zenobia, and like during this time, like they find they actually find Rachel, or more importantly, find that her body's not there anymore. And it turns oh. out she gets, yeah, she got transformed into a bioweapon. In a, okay, yeah, and a fight that's actually kind of cool because you have to basically like follow her throughout the ship and whatnot because she escapes through air vents and whatnot. Oh, okay, that's neat. Yeah, because yeah. oh, go ahead. 
I was gonna say you would have thought after Resident Evil One, Jill would learn to burn bodies more. Mm-hmm. You would think so. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. No corpse stays dead in the Resident yeah. Evil universe. Yeah. You. You would think that. Uh, Dealing with corpses would be like a standard practice for the regenerative bioterrorism mm-hmm. specialist group, but not, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think so, but no. So yeah, Jill eventually ends up murdering, um, murdering Rachel, and you know, that allows her to get like a key that gets down to the engine room. Uh, they're trying to restart the engine so they can get power back to the ship, so they can like use the communications equipment and be like, "Hey, we're here." Please rescue us. Yep. This place is filled with goop monsters. So they do get down to the engine room, but unfortunately ends up getting flooded. Uh, they are, they're trapped, but just in time for like Chris and Jessica to arrive on the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, they don't quite arrive just yet. They're still on their way because I almost forgot this little part. O'Brien gives the director of the FBC a, the call, a call uh, General Morgan, because mm-hmm. uh, he finds out that, oh, the satellites, the laser satellite is charging up for some reason. Hmm. Uh, hmm. seems like they're gonna try to melt the queen zenobia and he's like hey buddy can you not do that he's and then the general basically quotes a bunch of dante's inferno at him he's like we have to do this because we can't let this spread this evil evil thing that's going to happen because it turns out at the same time of gas mask idiot who happens to be the leader of uh, il veltro basically sends out a broadcast to the FBC and BSAA. He's like, hey, I got this new virus called the T-Abyss, and it infects, when it infects anything, it turns into a bioweapon almost instantaneously, and I'm going to dump this into the oceans and infect one-fifth of the world's water supply with it. And so what? he's like, yeah, that's his, that's his entire plan is to do that. Okay. Is that how that works? Apparently it is. He okay. does demonstrate that if you do dump some tea abyss into some water with like some fishes, it turns up to like piranhas that can crawl on land and will eat you. So, oh, okay, sure, yeah. yeah so General Morgan is like, yeah, now I got to do this. Anyways, um, sorry about your team members. Bye. So, uh, basically, the uh, Joel finds a way to uh, direct a laser away from the clean Zenobia by using a UAV that just happens to be on board flying it away and, like, deploying flares, and that somehow distracts the satellite to fire away from it? What? Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. That's not how satellites work. Also, this means that they did have satellite telemetry on the Queen Zenobia the whole time. (laughs) Or at least the FBC did. Yeah. (laughs) There might be a reason for that, so... So yeah, you know, that causes a big tidal wave, which, you know, like, also floods the ship and, like, starts to cause it to fall apart, just in time for Chris and Jessica to show up. And so, like, Jill and Parker end up going into the bowels of the ship to, like, kind of find another way to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they end up running against a gas mask idiot guy again, who's like, oh, wow, you did a really great job not getting this entire ship nuked with a laser. I guess I'll go ahead and tell you the truth about the events one year ago. Unfortunately, he's not able to do that because Jessica shows up just in time to shoot him. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Which Chris is like, wait, what, what did you, why did you do that? She's like, he's the enemy. We have to. And so they go and take the gas mask off, and it turns out it's Raymond. And they're like, Raymond, why did you do that? And like, he whispers something in Parker's ear, and Parker's like, ah, okay, I understand. Anyways, we need to, there's a lab on board the ship. We need to destroy that before we leave because it has T-Abyss on there. And they're like, okay, well, we'll split up. Um, 
Parker and Jessica, you go find a way to stabilize the ship so it doesn't fall apart and accidentally unleash T-Abyss in the ocean. And Chris and Jill will go and destroy T-Abyss and, you know, use a neutralizing agent on it that just also happens to be on board the ship. Uh-huh. So they go and do that. And, um, like, we cut back to the comedy relief duo who gets even more information about General Morgan and how he might be behind the entire thing. Uh... The airbase they're at also gets basically bombed to hell and back, and they get blown up. Yay! Oh, okay. So they get so Chris and uh, Joe get to the bowels of the ship uh, just in time for O'Brien to get in contact with them. It's like, hey, I guess I should kind of level with you what's going on. So I kind of set everything up. I knew about the ships and whatnot, and I intentionally sent Jill to one ship and had her get captured. So you, could, Chris, you could go find her and find the other ship. That way we can stop the T-Abyss fires because I knew that it was on there. And it's all because I think General Morgan's actually behind the entire thing. And I figured this was the best way for us to uncover evidence of this complicity in this event. Sorry about that. Why didn't you just tell Chris and Jill that? Because then it's not a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's really stupid. It's really, really stupid. The secrecy serves no purpose. It serves zero purpose. There's no benefit. But, you know, they decide to go with it anyways. So, on the other side of the ship, uh, Jessica and Parker are, like, slowly just, like, doing things to stabilize the ship when, uh, uh, Raymond, like, shows back up. And he's like, hey, I'm still alive. Also, by the way, Jessica's a spy for the FPC. And, like, so they, like, both point guns at, like, Jessica. It's like, hey, what are you doing there? Uh... And it turns out, like, Jessica was, like, while they were, like, finding ways to stabilize the ship, she was also secretly activating a self-destruct mechanism for the ship. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because she's there to cover up all the evidence of the FBC being involved. So Jessica's like, hey, man, Parker, you could trust me. Remember, we got out Terra together. You know, we fought together. And, and so Parker's like, okay, yeah, you know what? You're right. I do trust you. And she's like, ha ha, sucker. And, like, tries to shoot, um, tries to... Tries to shoot Raymond, like Parker takes the bullet for uh for Raymond and Jessica gets away. Uh, literally just like leaves the game. <laughs> oh, okay. Not before activating the self-destruct mechanism causing right, the ship right, to start. Of course, yeah. 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 You gotta gotta. Gotta do that. Now, while all that is happening, Chris and Jill get into the secret lab containing all the T Abyss, just in time for General Morgan to like basically like come onto like a view screen that's down there and be uh-huh. like, hey, how's it going? I see that y'all are down here and found out all my evil plans. Bet you're probably wondering why I did that. Anyways, it's because I wanted a bioterrorist attack to happen so that there'd be a reason for my organization to even exist and get the funding to stop further bioterrorism acts. Sometimes you have to do an act of evil in order to stop greater evil. Oh my god, this is so pointless. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's bioterrorism attacks constantly. Why is this, why is there a debate about funding? You know, it just for you know, the general just wants to really They already really make funded sure. their laser satellites. <laughs> to be fair, the laser satellite was for Terragrigia to help give it power. They just found out, well, what if we just use all that power to melt cities? But but he still has it. Oh, yeah, yeah, now he has it permanently. Yeah. Well, you you know, you you still gotta have an occasional, like, terrorist attack to justify your anti-terrorism organization. It it sounds like there are terrorism attacks constantly. (laughs) 
Yeah, and he hap and it happens to be the FBC and General Morgan who's per perpetrating uh, all of them. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great. It's pretty great. Wait, has there been a single terrorism attack not orchestrated by the FBC? Well, we're not talking about them today, but in the Resident Evil movies, uh, not the the Paul the, W.S. Anderson the ones, CGI but the, ones. Yeah, the yeah. CGI ones. Technically, yes. Like, there was one at a French airport that Leon and Claire had to deal with, for instance. Right. But uh, as far as in-game, aka the media that people actually care about, uh, no, not really. I guess there was sort of one in that Spanish village at Resident Evil 4, but right. yeah, that was kind of small scale in the grand scheme of things. But yeah. So he, he tells him all this, uh, and he's also like, well, you know, I gotta like really cover up everything. And he says, I quote, I have a great weakness. I am fearful of things, even little things. Let's clear, clean up every last imperfection. And then that's when like the self-destruct mechanism gets activated and things start exploding. So he's like, yep, y'all probably gonna die here. Anyway, see you later. So Chris and Jill uh, neutralize the T-Abyss virus and manage to get out. Uh, they have to fight like a giant, like, giant bioweapon. Uh and like defeated and were able to escape on a helicopter off of mm -hmm. uh, uh off of the cruise ship. Like they also they do run into Parker who's like wounded as well. And like they mm -hmm. try to get him out of there, but Parker's like, I can't go on, I'm too weak. And then like in a very dramatic death, he falls to his death in a literally in a fireball. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. So the this is when O'Brien also reveals that, hey, listen, the reason why I did this is not because there's only two cruise ships. Also, by the way, the sister cruise ship also got blown up. Well, like okay, point sure. But turns out there's a third cruise ship, and it's on the bottom of the ocean at Terra Grigia. See, the leader of El Electro is this man by the name of Norman. Wait, the that terrorist organization's real? Oh, yeah, yeah, they've been real this entire time. Because, you see, what happened is that General Morgan gave all the bioweapons and T-Abyss virus to... Uh, to Norman and his weird religious cult that's like against technology and stuff. Okay. And they were so upset about Terra Grigia and its affront to nature that they launched an attack using three cruise ships. Now, it's revealed by O'Brien that Morgan, in order to cover up everything, infected uh, the Il Veltro leadership, including Norman, with the T-Abyss virus and then caused like the cruise ship they were on to sink to the bottom of the ocean. Uh-huh. But in the years since, he has still been alive down there. And if they don't stop him and stop the T-Abyss virus that's down there, eventually it's like, you know, it, the like uh, container on it's going to like break. It's going to leak into the ocean. It's going to cause a whole bunch of problems. So Chris and Jill go there. They swim down to the bottom of the ocean. They sneak on board this cruise ship. They find Norman, who gives himself even more T-Abyss and turns into like a giant like bioweapon that's able to literally teleport. Uh, yeah. Uh, they also find a bunch of dead FBC agents down there who uh, turns out were also down there to try to stop Norman because it turns out Norman recorded all of his conversations with uh, General Morgan, and so he has evidence. Uh, so like while they're all fighting, well, evidence them, of what for who? Uh, he basically he wanted to make sure that he could blackmail General Morgan and his complicity in providing bioweapons to a terrorist organization. In the event that he tried to screw him over, which, well, Morgan did indeed try to screw him over, so. I don't understand anyone's motivation about anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, this game's kind of all over the place, ain't it? <laughs> like, 
This isn't logical to anyone. <laughs> well, you know, Morgan wanted funding for his his operation, so he gave bioweapons to the crazy religious fanatics, who then were like, this seems suspicious, so we're going to record Morgan and use it as blackmail evidence if he tries to betray us. Oh no, they tried to betray us. We're at the bottom of the ocean now. I guess... We, we should probably do something about that. Who actually wants to release the T-Abyss into the ocean? I think that... Okay, so that's a good question. I think Norman <laughs> technically does, but... Because it at, seems like he could do that at this point. He could, but he never really does. I think at this point he's just too busy wanting to get revenge against Morgan that he just never bothers with that. And then when you and he, like when Chris and Jill shows up, he's like, "Well, I guess I need to infect myself even more so I can take them on." Uh, during this time, also the FBC like shows up at BSAA's headquarters and like arrest everybody. And like Morgan shows up to be like, "Ha ha! Look at that! We're gonna arrest you because you are helping out a terrorist organization." Yeah, we're gonna turn the tables on you. We're gonna frame you for everything. How do you feel about that, O'Brien? But uh, this ends up not working out for him because, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert: Chris and Jill defeat Norman. Uh, mm -hmm. They get all the evidence. They broadcast it live. Uh -huh. And then, like, all the FBC agents basically turn on Morgan and arrest him. Who then, like, is like, this is not over, O'Brien. This is going to come back and bite you. And O'Brien's like, huh, where did I hear that before? Anyways, we'll see what happens with that. And what happens is that the FBC is dissolved and uh, General Morgan goes to jail for his crimes. Okay, cool. Uh, O'Brien retires. And he decides to go and write a detective novel. Sure. And, and it turns out Parker lived. Yeah, it turns out Raymond was still on the ship, and uh, he rescued Parker as uh, thanks for him being rescued by Parker a year ago. How do these two just not die? I don't know. I don't know. They just I feel somehow like they live. should just both be dead. Yeah. Although what's even better is that apparently how Raymond saves Parker is that he just literally throws him off the ship and... Uh, Parker just, like, shows up on a shore somewhere and they go, Oh, you're alive! Great! Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. So, we cut to, a, like, a post credit scene where we see Jessica is in a French cafe, and then Raymond shows up. And it turns out he has a sample of T-Abyss, which he gives to Jessica. Because it turns out they were both double agents within the FBC and BSAA, respectively. And they were double agents for Tricell, the evil organization from Resident Evil 5 that's run by Albert Wesker and Excella Gione. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're like, oh, yes, they're going to be very interested in this. And Jessica's like, oh, what are you going to do now? Uh, what are you going to do now, Raymond? It's like, I don't know. I guess we'll see in the future. I'm sure they haven't heard the last from us. Uh, spoiler alert, this is the last we ever heard of them. Good. And in a uh, post credit scene, in um. According to the Resident Evil 6 uh, uh, official guide, uh, Tricell, when they get a hold of the T-Abyss virus, they're like, oh, this is way too dangerous. We need to use our extensive resources to cover this up and make sure it doesn't get out into the wild. Okay. Raven and Jessica never show up again. Parker never shows up again. O'Brien never shows up again. And this game is absolutely, totally pointless. The end. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's a completely pointless game. <laughs> That's completely point, and it's it's pointless from the outset because, like, you know, it's not going to show up again. Mm -hmm. 
Five already established that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, like, if they were like, okay, well, this we're going to use this to create Uroboros and whatnot, you know, the right. empire sets in Resident Evil 5, is like, okay, all right, cool, whatever. But they're, no, they were literally like, oh, no, this is too dangerous. We can't, even though we're evil, we're not right. evil enough to use this. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean O'Brien retired? Who's running the BSA then? I have no idea. Somebody wasn't, else? Wasn't the whole point of this game to establish what the BSA is all about and who they are? Yeah. So they just introduce everyone in the organization and then they all leave the organization by the end of the game. Pretty and much, we yeah. still don't know who they are in five. We still really don't know. Uh, well, it is revealed that they do like absorb the FPC's remains and are reformed underneath the United Nations. Okay. So I guess there's that. They're now like a multinational task force. But yeah, beyond that, not really much. Oh, I also forgot a comedy relief duo in a post credit scene are shown to have survived. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, because nobody dies in this game, except for Rachel, who dies off-screen, or in a demo. Right. Okay, so effectively, the the whole result of this game is that now the BSA has the laser satellites. Yep. And that's how they can can shoot Wesker with a laser satellite. Yeah, actually, you know what? There we go. There's a point to this game after all. All right, good. I'm glad we got there. (laughs) I'm glad we did. All right, one last thing before we move on from this. Uh, one stupid fact that I found out, according to the Resident Evil 6 guide, uh, mm-hmm. the cruise ships were actually originally owned by a company called Paragus. Uh, do you know who owned the company, Paragus? Uh, is it the guy who was in charge of the Plagus? Oh, no. It was actually owned by Umbrella before it dissolved. You know... They couldn't help themselves. <laughs> they couldn't help themselves. For a second, I was like, oh, Pragus, Plagus, that's kind of cute. I don't know. No, it was Umbrella. It was Umbrella. It was all Umbrella. Umbrella did everything. Mm-hmm. Umbrella. Yeah. Why would you put a biolab on a cruise ship? Why would you put on a biolab on three cruise ships? Yeah, like, what's, what's the point? You know, that's a good question, and... I haven't brought this game up because I'm not sure how canonical it is, but mm-hmm. this is not the first time that there was an Umbrella-owned Biolab on a cruise ship. Because in the Game Boy Color game, Resident Evil Gaiden, which stars Leon Candy, oh, God. Uh, also has a Biolab on a cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's just Umbrella's thing, apparently. I, I guess. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's Resident Evil Revelations, a really dumb game. So let's follow that up with an even dumber game, Resident Evil Revelations 2. A game not for the 3DS, but for the Vita. Oh boy, what a good <laughs> sign. So we're going to be very brief about this game because this game also doesn't matter, uh, mm. but it somehow matters even less. So. Wow. <laughs> so in short, this game stars Claire Redfield. She's back. Okay, uh, sure. Ter- turns out she's part of an anti-bioterrorism organization called TerraSave! God. Yeah, it's such a terrible name. Oh my god. Yeah. And so it turns out that she has a new partner. Her name's like Moria Burton, who's the daughter of Barry Burton. Barry, by the way, is now with the BSAA. Okay. Of course he is. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, they're like at a party and whatnot, but then bad things happen. Mass sales show up and they both get captured, and Claire shows up in a prison somehow. Okay. Because that's. Just like how Chris is always constantly just going to Europe and getting lost, uh-huh. Claire is constantly ending up in prisons. Yep. Okay. That's, that's trash. That's, that's just her thing. Yep. 
So the red fields are nothing if not consistent. <laughs> Tell me about it. So turn, you'll be surprised. There's a bunch of bioweapons here. Oh, and wow. Bad things are happening. And during this entire time, there's like this overseer, this like female woman who's like basically telling them cryptic like things and like reciting poetry at uh, Baron Morian. They're like, that's weird. Whatever, I guess. Uh huh. And it turns out that there's like just a bunch of like weird like like research experiments going on with like different prisoners here. And eventually they discover that the person who's overseeing everything here is a little woman by the name of Alex. And she happens to be related to uh, a certain person here. Mm -hmm. A certain person by the name of Albert Wesker. (sighs) Yep. All right, let's let's get back to the Wesker family legacy. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it turns out Alex Wesker is one of the two survivors of the Wesker program. Uh, alongside, of course, good old Albert. Mm-hmm. Now, she was Oswald Spencer's favorite of the Weskers. Uh-huh. Like, to the point that he basically brought her in on all of his plans and whatnot. It's like, here's the things I'm going to do with dumb viruses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And like, he even, like kind of sort of revealed that he experimented on her and whatnot. Which she was like, oh, that, I don't like that. That's bad. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So she basically just, like, decides to, like, at some point rebel against him. And, uh, like, is somewhat instrumental in taking down some of Umbrella's plans. So it seems like she's a good person, right? She's a, she's a uh-huh. good guy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, nah, not, not quite the case. Because it turns out she, like, like Albert, is like, ah... How about instead I'll become a god and basically do everything the right way? Yeah, yeah, okay, there it is. Mm-hmm. And boy, is her plan kind of stupid. So, <laughs> her plan is that she is going to take this girl by the name of Natalia. Now, she basically done like a bunch of like weird experiments and whatnot on her. Mm-hmm. And... She's, like, eventually, like, when Claire and Moria, like, confront Alex and, like, rescue Natalia, she's like, oh, don't worry. My plan, about to put in action. She grabs a gun, puts that gun to her head, shoots herself. All right. Good start. Good start. It's like, seems like a bad plan. So the facility is set to self-destruct. They have to escape and they leave and they're like, oh, wow, weird. So, kind of nuts. Kind of nuts sort of thing. So, Claire, like... Basically, like, gets, like, washed out to sea and, like, ends up on, the, like, a random island. Uh, <laughs> like, Barry, like, shows up to, like, be like, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? You, you doing fine? What? Like, yeah. But she gets and, washed out to sea, ends up on a random island, and Barry shows up? Well, she does get taken to a hospital. Like, she's oh, found okay. taken to a hospital and whatnot. And it's like, hey, your daughter's still missing. Uh you need to go find her and he's like okay i'm gonna go find my daughter so uh he ends up going out to the island that where claire was found at and runs into natalia there uh who is like gone completely insane at this point okay good and and also now possesses the ability to detect bioweapons and whatnot uh by the way there's now stealth bioweapons okay sure yeah so they like are going through this entire place to try to find uh barry's daughter and it, it turns out that uh, Barry's 
Barry's daughter Boria has kind of gotten infected and gone a little crazy. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And it also turns out that uh, Alex's plan was to basically do experiments on Natalia to turn her into a more or less a clone of herself, of Alex specifically. Uh-huh. Because it turns out, uh, because of all the experiments that done on Wesker, she was slowly like degenerating and her body was falling apart. Okay, sure. Yeah. So she like they end up having like a big. So they like end up having like a big old dumb fight because uh, like uh, like Moria ends up dying. Like uh, like a mutated version of Alex shows up. They fight her and kill her. Uh, they end up like getting Natalia and like getting her out of there and hopefully finding a way to cure her before she basically turns into a Wesker. And then like the BSAA shows up and like basically murders all the like bioweapons that are left on the island. So fast forward to 2013, like Claire, like everything is fine now. Claire's about to go to the to the Burton's residence to like give a gift to like all of them and like just check up the how they're doing, see how Natalie's doing, who's like now been basically adopted by Barry as a surrogate mm-hmm. daughter. Uh, she reveals that her brother Chris apparently is on the way to China to deal with a bioterror attack, and she's gonna go try to catch up with them. Uh and we cut to Natalia, who all of a sudden is starting to recite the same poetry that Alex liked, and she is slowly turning into a Wesker. Something that I'm sure is going to come up in a future game, except spoiler alerts is not. They're going to just forget about this. Okay, cool. So that's Resident Evil Revelations 2. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. That nothing happened. Nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, I... I'm very glad I never played these games back in the day because I think if I did, I would have gone crazy. I would have yeah, been so upset. Probably. <laughs> it's so weird. Resident Evil is such a weird franchise. Mm-hmm. Because after, basically, after uh, Mikami stopped working on them, they mm-hmm. they they've never really had like a clear ownership or like guiding hand. Mm-hmm. They've just sort of been like. Capcom's game and different teams come in and out and move in onto them and off of them. Mm-hmm. And like what I what I have been led to understand is that there is a lot of disagreement within Capcom about what the identity of Resident Evil is and who <laughs> sort of is the authority on Resident Evil. Some real ominous foreshadowing for Resident Evil 6, but yes, go on. <laughs> And, like, my my impression of Revelations from a gameplay standpoint is that they were meant to be sort of a more traditional style of, like, more claustrophobic, more horror aesthetic and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and- even so, they couldn't escape this sort of early 2010s madness. Mm-hmm. Of Capcom's style of doing things. Yeah, they still wanted it to be... They wanted these to be, like, mainline Resident Evil entries. They still tried to make them grandiose as possible. Right. Like, with Revelations 1, why is the airport there? The airport doesn't even need to be there. It really doesn't. It it doesn't at all. It's just there to act as a MacGuffin. Just so, like, they could just, like, have, like, two characters go there and act as, like, information dumps throughout the game. Right. 
It's like, oh, this all happened because of that one floating city we blew up with a laser satellite. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. What? You Be about a cruise ship. There's zombies on a boat. Yeah. That's the extent of the game. <laughs> but we already did that with, with the Game Boy Color game. You, no one played yeah. that. Nobody did. Absolutely <laughs> nobody did. <laughs> but for that one person at Capcom who did, they're like, we can't. We, we can't. If we're, gonna re- if we're gonna recycle this, we gotta we gotta be grander about it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very sad that they decided to do that and just like it really like if they're going to be as grandiose about it, like then yeah, like do tie it into like the Resident Evil mythos more than just like I I don't know. Uh, here's a Wesker that we're not going to follow up on right. at all. Did you know there's another Wesker? That's cool. We killed the last one, so we have to talk about a new one. Yep. There could there could be more Weskers. There could be more Weskers. What if there are more Weskers? What if you could play as a Wesker? Oh, man, what if? What if? Man, what 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 kind of pathos and, like, is he, he would have when he was dealing with his family legacy? That'd be kind of crazy. What if we based an entire game around that? Oh, man. That'd be really crazy, right? That'd be really crazy. Wouldn't that be crazy? It would be, but, you know, there's a real problem with that, Alex. You see, and mm-hmm. the, the problem with that, uh, mm-hmm. as a Capcom executive in uh, 2011-ish or so, uh, I, I feel like we need to get back to the roots of Resident Evil, and the roots of Resident Evil is, you know, Chris Redfield and the mansion and whatnot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, Resident Evil 5 didn't set the world on fire, and I... But Resident Evil 4, everyone liked that, and everyone loves Leon. So everyone loves not... Leon. Man, everyone we... loves Leon. We should do something with Leon. We should do something with Leon. You know what else? You know what else? You know what, what else, else people we did? like? People like Jill Valentine. Everyone loves Jill Valentine. Everyone loves Jill Valentine. Let's put her in a closet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jill. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess I just should mention it. We never hear her from Joel Valentine after Resident Evil Revelation. She never shows up again. God, <laughs> it's okay. She's back and she's over there. She's over there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, yeah, as we've alluded to, Resident Evil Six has some ideas about where it wants to go with the Resident Evil legacy, <laughs> and the answer is. There's going to be four different teams, and they're going to have four different ideas. Right. Specifically, the idea, you know, Capcom looked at um, at, at the success of Resident Evil 5, and they said, mm-hmm. okay, so people like, people enjoyed, like, some action gameplay, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they really liked Chris, and they liked the sort of global bioterrorism idea, and then uh, Revelations came out, and those got some mixed reception. You know, I... People maybe weren't feeling the claustrophobicness as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for you know, for the next entry in the series, for Resident Evil Six, the next gen debut of the franchise, what if we made a hundred million dollars? What if? What if? What if? What if we made money? Yeah. What if we made all the money with this game? That is our artistic vision: is mm-hmm. to make a hundred million dollars. And so we're going to double down on all the our previous ideas, and we're going to make the best shooter ever. Yeah. Except that would be a very easy way to explain it, except there's a little bit more to it, because then there's other teams inside Capcom who are like, but what if we did actually bring it back to its survival horror roots? People do miss having to deal with zombies and whatnot. Yeah. So 
what happened is that they decided that they were going to basically wipe the slate clean with Resident Evil 6 in many ways. Mm-hmm. They were going to get back to their roots of survival horror. Uh, at least the team developing it was. Uh-huh. Now, management at Capcom, just like we said, was like, what if we made all the money, though, and made it a shooter? Mm-hmm. This is obviously a problem. You have the people who are actually developing the game being like, let's get back to our roots. You have the company overseeing everything being like, make it a shooter. So then they made a compromise. (laughs) What if we had four different stories going on, we had four different teams work on each story, and we just all kind of blended them together into one cohesive whole? That sounds like cohesive is incredibly optimistic. It is incredibly optimistic incredibly so to the point that uh spoiler it's not. alert it's not it's not at all <laughs> to put together a synopsis that actually makes sense for this was one of the most difficult things i have written for this podcast because events happen in this game out of order mm-hmm. uh there is a lot of jumping forward and back there's a ton of flashbacks uh and on top of that you play as you play three different scenarios containing two characters each, and once you beat all that, you unlock a fourth scenario that goes through the entire game uh, that also fills in each little events all throughout it. That's all its own meaty sort of story as well. And basically, what it ends up amounting to is a complete bizarre mess of weird ideas, uh, incredibly bad dialogue, incredibly strange like uh, choices as far as gameplay, and a game that is maybe one of the most polarizing games Capcom has ever released. It is a game that initially was projected to sell 7 million ca- copies until the reviews came out. And then Capcom was like, how about 5 million? <laughs> that would be nice. And then when it barely met that, Capcom was like, okay, for, seven and, for, for Resident Evil 7, we're actually going to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it, this is... Like, the reviews for this game are nuts. Like, Famitsu, for instance, the, mm. the famous Japanese magazine, gave it a 39 out of 40. Wow. Game Informer, 8.75 out of 10. But then you look over at GameSpot, which gave it a 4.5 out of 10, or Giant Bomb, which gave it a 2 out of 5 stars. Mm-hmm. Like, Destructoid, 3 out of 10. Like, nobody has any idea. You either love this game or you hate this game. That's right. what I'm trying to get at. And... And a lot of it has to do with, like, a lot of different gameplay sequences. Like, when you play as Chris mm-hmm. Redfield, for instance, it is a shooter. Right. It is one, like, as in your enemies shoot back at you. Because there's a, now a new type of zombie parasite that <laughs> causes people to be able to learn how to use guns. <laughs> but if you play as Leon, I, well, I guess you get to fight zombies. Mm-hmm. You like zombies, right? Those are back. And it all just comes together to form a game that has absolutely zero identity and does not know what it wants to be. All because Capcom, and I quote, did not think survival horror uh, was a viable genre anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. Alex, you want to talk about the plot of Resident Evil 6? I don't know, but let's do it anyway. Let's do it anyways. So before I start, I do want to give big credit to a, um, a YouTube channel out there, BCG Industries, who did... Did God's work. They basically took all the cutscenes in the game and put them in chronological order. <laughs> ah, that helps a lot. Oh, it helped immensely. I still had to do like quite a bit of like looking into like different uh, 
different articles and like different other synopses and like other gameplay videos in order to fill in the pieces. Mm-hmm. But boy, was that a really good starting point, and it made something that was going to be well already was difficult a little bit easier. So I appreciate that. Just want to give that shout out. Yeah. So this game starts in 2012. Uh, now. In Eastern Europe, the BSAA responds to a bioterror attack, and Chris, he's leading the team and whatnot, and he's, like, with this guy named Pierce, who's his second-in-command, and, like, they have, like, this, like, precocious rookie named Finn, who's just, like, totally into Chris, like, because, you know, Chris is just, like, you know, very upfront, upstanding guy, Boy Scout, Marine sort of mm-hmm. person, and, you know, they're fighting these, like, new bioterrorists um, that, like, have this, uh, this uh, new virus that's... Uh, it's called the C virus. And now the C virus, when it infects people, it turns them into what's called the Javo, a J apostrophe AVO. Uh, the Javo are interesting in the sense that they, when they are infected, they sort of lose their minds, but not enough that they can't pick up guns and use them. Oh. Yeah. So they're fighting against these terrorists and whatnot, trying to get them behind like what's exactly going on here. Now, at the same time, part of the same terrorist group, there's this young man with a bus uh, cut and, like, a scar on his face, who's, like, very, very sarcastic. He's basically, like, Dante from Devil May Cry, or, like, Han Solo from mm-hmm. uh, from Star Wars. Now, they all give him syringes to inject themselves with, so he, like, he injects himself with syringes, like, huh, yeah, this is supposed to be, like, an upper, you know, kind of, like, wake me up, but, man, it's doing nothing for me. What about you guys? Oh, no, you're bioweapons now. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he's, like, completely unfazed by this and, like, just beats the hell out of him and, like, escapes. Just in time to run into a young woman with blonde hair, kind of like very like short and feathered, kind of like Meg Ryan uh, mm-hmm. back in the 90s, uh, who's like pleasantly surprised to see he didn't mutate. He's like, hey, listen, I'm glad I found you. You may be the key to saving the world. By the way, your name is Jake Moeller. <laughs> so Jake is like, huh, uh, all right, cool. What's your name? She's like, I'm Sherry Birkin. Oh, God. Sherry's back. Yay. She's all grown up. And she's working with the U.S. government. And so she's like, okay, I got to get you to my, to my boss. We're going to get out of this city. So Jake is like, okay, yeah, cool. I'll do this for $50 million. And she's like, uh, okay, fine, whatever. We'll give you your stupid money. Come on. <laughs> you know what? I kind of respect this guy. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, it takes he- a certain kind of person to be sent into a battlefield and told to inject yourself. See mm-hmm. it mutate your allies into horrible bioweapons that you have to beat up mm-hmm. and then get told that you're the key to saving humanity from, I don't know, something and then mm-hmm. be like, cool, pay me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. You, you got money? Give me $50 million. I'll give you a pint of my blood. Yeah, no, the, the, I, I like Jake. In fact, I have in my notes directly that if this game was just Jake and Sherry having adventures, I'd probably be fine with it. Yeah, probably. That sounds like one of several pretty decent games they could have made. Indeed. Too bad that's only a fourth of this game. (laughs) So uh, they get chased by a bioweapon who literally looks like Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, sure. And, you know, know, a bunch of stuff happened. Uh, They actually end up running into Chris's team, uh, which uh, Chris is like, oh, hey, how's it going? Uh, What's your name? And girl and she's like oh i'm sherry yeah you, you know my friend leon who's like my surrogate dad basically and claire who's like my surrogate mom <laughs> funny <laughs> like, that oh. we've never met yeah it's kind of weird how we never met and he's like oh yeah yeah claire told me about you like the five seconds i've seen her in the past like 20 years <laughs> uh 
you need to get out of here? He's like, yeah, I got this guy named Jake. He's, I know he's part of the terrorists, but he's going to work for us now. Uh, he's going to help stop the sea virus. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no problem. I trust you. Here's a helicopter. See you later. All right, sure. Yeah, and like Pierce, his like teammate, he's like, are you sure about this? He's like, yeah, no, nah, it's cool. I, I trust her. She knows Leon. I'm cool with Leon. It's fine. So Chris like, and his team end up like going into the city and like they end up running into none other than Ada fucking Wong. Great. Hooray. Hooray. Now Ada is like decided to trade out red for purple. And like she basically has like a purple um a purple dress on that's like cut open in the middle. So you know, you could you can right. see her breasts essentially. And okay. She's like, Yes, that's right. I've decided to become sexier. Also <laughs> I'm glad you found me. I've been taken captive by a group called Neo Umbrella. Weird, huh? <laughs> okay, I gotta say, if she were to just lie, that sounds like what she'd say. Mm-hmm. It would. It would. <laughs> so she's like, she's like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Gr- glad you could save me. Anyways, we probably should get out of here, right? And Chris is like, I I don't know. Should I trust you? And she's like, nah, you shouldn't. Traps his entire team except for him appears. <laughs> Immediately infects him with the C virus and they turn to bioweapons. Chris is like gets traumatized by this and like passes out. What? Appears has to like drag him out. Well, like he like gets attacked and like gets knocked over and like okay. he hits his head. Like And like that's the end for Chris's story for right now. Um, for Sherry and Jake, their helicopter ends up crashing. Of course. Like, Sherry ends up, yeah, and, like, Sherry gets impaled on the wreckage, and, like, Sherry's like, oh, man, pull it out. And Jake's like, you're gonna die if I do that. She's like, no, don't worry about it. Like, all right. Pulls it out, and it turns out she instantly heals. Oh, cool. Yeah, it turns out when she was infected with the G-Virus back in Resident Evil 2 and got cured, some regenerative property stayed with her, and so she basically is now Wolverine. Cool. Yeah. So they immediately get attacked by terrorists and whatnot. Um, Leatherface shows up and, like, knocks them both down. Uh, Ada Wong shows up and is like, oh, hi, Jake. How's it going? Yes, we got you captured now. Oh, by the way, you're uh, the son of Albert Wesker, a guy who's an asshole. Bye. (sighs) And Ada's like, I want your blood and takes him prisoner. So we now cut six months later. What? Okay. And we cut to under the sea where a person in a diving suit boards some sort of sunken vessel and out like like and like this like diving suit like gets into like this sub and like out crawls a naked Ada Wong for some reason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now we learn that she's on this ship because she receives intel from this guy named Simmons. Now, Simmons is like, hey, man, I'm coming up with something evil. And Ada's like, oh, are you now? She's like, he's like, yeah, you want to know about it? Maybe you could stop me. And she's like, all right, cool. Yeah, tell me all about it. And so she finds out about the ship and goes and, like, shows up on it. And when she finds out it's loaded up with this new virus called the C-Virus, and she's like, oh, that's weird. And apparently uh, a major bioterrorist attack is going to happen uh, in both the United States and in China. And it's all going to be pinned on the new leader of Neo Umbrella, a person by the name of Ada Wong. Ada is completely unfazed by all this. Just tells Sims like, huh, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. I'm going to fuck this up. <laughs> and she, she escapes the sub in a torpedo. She basically gets in a torpedo. Torpedo shoots out of the sub and the sub explodes. Okay, sure. 
So now we cut to Tall Oaks, Virginia in the United States. And we see that our friend Leon Kennedy is pointing a gun at the zombified president of the United States. And we, right. see in a, and we see in a series of flashbacks that the president was about to reveal the U.S.'s complicity in all the bioterrorism incidents that have happened in the entire world. Other member, like they're basically like a relationship with Umbrella, how they nuked Raccoon City and why they did that, because all that was covered up. Uh huh, right. And he's like, we need to do that so we can all team up together as a world to fight this bioterrorism threat. Uh, unfortunately, doesn't work out. He ends up becoming a zombie and he ends up having to be shot. Now, Leon finds out that the entire city of Tall Oaks, which is about 70,000 people, uh, basically, like a raccoon city-sized city, mm -hmm. is now infected with zombies. Okay. And he sure. teams up with a Secret Service agent by the name of Helena. Uh, Helena, actually. I don't mm -hmm. know why I said Helena. Uh, and she's like, hey, listen, I know what's going on here. We need to get to this cathedral in Tall Oaks, and I'll explain everything there. Why? And Leon, yeah, like, no, Leon's literally like, why don't you explain things now? She's like, there's no time. We have to go. And explain like, on the way. Walk she, and talk. She does not at all. <laughs> so they fight their way through zombies and whatnot. They like find some refugees who are trying to use a bus to escape. And like as they're doing so, like Leon gets in touch with Hunnigan, who's like his like liaison uh from Resident Evil 4. Mm -hmm. Who's like, man, yeah, things are going crazy. Uh like what's going on? Why are you still in Tall Oaks? You need to get out of here. Also, where's the president? And Leon's like, oh, president's dead. I had to shoot him. She's like, oh. Yeah. Uh, Zombie? He's like, yeah, zombie. He's like, oh, okay, no, gotcha. Uh, can you really tell me why you're going to this cathedral? Like, the suits are breathing down my neck. And he's like, what suits? He's like, she's like, oh, the leader of the NSA, uh, National Security Advisor Derek Simmons. He's like, literally here. He's like, oh, well, I don't know what this lead is, but I'll let you know when I find out. Uh, the bus then, like, ends up crashing after it runs into a zombie, skids out of control, gets perched on a cliff, uh, then immediately gets hit by an 18-wheeler that's, like, on fire and out of control. Causes mm -hmm. the bus to explode, killing all the refugees except for Leon and Helena. Okay, sure. They eventually get to Tallulah's Cathedral, which has survivors in there. And, of course, there's a secret lab in there. Yeah, yeah, okay. They open up the secret lab, which is also releases bioweapons that kill all the, all the survivors in there. Uh-huh. So, good job, Leon and Helena. Yeah, okay. And when they get into the biolab, though, they find a VHS that says, Happy Birthday, Ada. And so Leon's like, okay, let's go ahead and play this. And it shows a experiment called Project Ada, where a weird lumpy bioweapon explodes only to give birth to a naked Ada Wong, whose hair is on point, by the way. Her hair is perfect, even of though course. she's covered in a slime. Yeah, okay. Now, Leon is understandably confused because he's like, how is Ada here? This is weird. <laughs> this is weird even for Ada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, fair. So after this, Leon's like, we need to find Ada and get some answers. And like, Helena, and like, he's like, he, he asked Helena, he's like, is this what you wanted to show me? He's like, she's like, no, not at all, actually. This is <laughs> fucking weird, man. <laughs> but before like he can get actual answers out from her, they run into Helena's sister, Deborah, and she's like, Deborah, I, I've been looking for you. You were taken captive. And Leon's like, taken captive by who? Uh, wait, hold on. And Leon's like, you need to really explain what's going on. And Helena's like, I, not now, because 
we're now things are collapsing and things are going bad. And they're going even better when Deborah like doubles over in pain, catches on fire, turns into a goop cocoon, and then gives birth to what looks like a another woman entirely. Okay. <laughs> that looks vaguely Ada Wongish. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and so Lena is like, like traumatized by this. Is like, is that my sister reborn? What's going on here? But before she's about to be killed by Goop Deborah Ada Wong, <laughs> real Ada Wong shows up where, with in her dressed in red yeah. with a crossbow and shoots this fake in the head, killing her. Okay, sure. <laughs> Ada is, by the way, is completely unfazed by all this and immediately quips towards Leon, which Helena is like, "This is not the time my sister just died." Yeah. And Leon's also, like, very confused. He's like, hey, can anybody tell me what's going on? And both Hayden and Helena are like, no. No, we're not. not. This is not the time. Leon's like, it's kind of the time? time. What is it the time? This would be the time. <laughs> so eventually Helena's like, okay, let me tell you what's going on. And via flashback, we learned that Helena and Deborah were kidnapped and tied to chairs by NSA agents as Derek Simmons had Deborah taken away to be experimented on. And he used Deborah's safety as a way to influence Helena to more or less infiltrate the president's uh, inner circle and allow him to be infected with the virus. This, this in turn allowed for the entirety of Tall Oaks to be infected because he used Deborah to distribute the virus all throughout the city. Mm. So hmm. yay! So that kickstarted the entire thing. Now, Ada reveals that the reason why this happened is because they are literally up against the Illuminati. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but she doesn't... Yeah. But she doesn't explain anything further because she just dramatically leaves via grappling hook. So Simmons then gets on the phone with Leon and basically tells him, was like, oh, hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, I guess uh, you know that bad things are happening. I'm going to frame you for killing the president. Mm-hmm. Have fun with that. Bye. So... We then cut to Eastern Europe, specifically to a smoky bar where a slightly less swole Chris Redfield is getting plastered. Now, Chris actually has like the most personality he's ever had in the entire series in this scene as he's like drunkenly being like, yeah, we have more to drink. And the bartender's like, no, you've had enough. He's like, listen, sweetheart, you pour the drinks around here. He then gets, like, kicked out of the bar, but, like, he, like, refuses to leave. Like, he takes the bottles, like, swaggering around. But he's still, like, like some of the patrons in there are, like, upset. And, like, no, he, she told you to leave, man. And he's like, mm-hmm. why don't you stop me? And, like, literally, like, does, like, cool, like, covert ops, like, action moves or, like, subdue, like, this dude who's trying to, like, attack him. And then Pierce is, like, and then, like, Pierce shows up. And he's like, hey, Chris, how's it going? Didn't think I'd find you like this. A drunken mess. Anyways, I need you to help me stop a bioterrorism attack. And you're the only man who could do it. And Chris is like, I don't know who you are. I have traumatic am- amnesia. Wait, what? No, yeah, yeah, he actually has tra- traumatic amnesia. He has no idea what's what's happening. From From which trauma, specifically? The trauma of seeing his entire team die. He has seen to- this like eight times. This is not the yeah I know this is not the first time his entire team has died I know I don't know why this is the straw that broke the camel's back but it was I don't yeah yeah so it's like he's like 
All right, well, I guess I could do that. Uh, but why should I? He's like, because look at my your team members. Let me show you the names of your team members who died. You need to do this for Finn, the precocious, your precocious rookie who died horrifically in front of your eyes. It's like he has a headache and he's like, I just remember something about somebody called Ada Wong and I have to kill her. And Pierce is like, rad, okay, let's go. Let's do this. So back in Tall Oaks, Ada ends up like going it's down to the same lab that Leon and um, uh, Helena were in. And like he wa- she watches the same video that they saw, the Happy Birthday Ada Wong video. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hmm, well, that's strange. Definitely no, that's not me. Anyways, she ends up giving Simmons a call. Oh, by the way, they have these weird phones that are like weird, like glass prisms that like open up to both uh, be phones and also like allow you to FaceTime with anybody. Right. It's really unnecessary to you because smartphones exist around this time. So right. I don't know why. They just wanted to be special. I guess so. Um, especially because like regular smartphones also show up in the game. You're like, why? But anyways, <laughs> so like Simmons like calls her and like they start quipping at, at each other. And like Ada reveals that she knows that Simmons is behind Neo Umbrella. She's like, yeah, no, nah, I know. I know you're up to some shit. Uh, also, she's like, by the way, I know there's a fake Ada, which, by the way, from this point on, we're going to be referring to as sexy Ada, just to help differentiate the two. Does that differentiate the two? Barely. (laughs) (laughs) Ada's actually dressed relatively modest for her standards in this game. Okay. I'll say. Fair. So, you know, that's, it's the best I can do. It's the best I can do. I guess we could call her purple Ada, the fake one. Okay. So purple Ada is apparently exists, and that she regular Ada is gonna fuck her up. Uh, Ada then calls Simmons again, and who's like surprised to hear from her, and she's like, "He's like Ada Wong. I haven't heard from you in a long time." And he's like, "Oh yeah, no, nah, don't worry about it. Anyways, uh, there's doppel- your doppelganger you created for me is trying to destroy the world, and I'm gonna go stop her. Stop her now." And he's like, "What? How'd you know about that?" She's like, "Ha ha ha, bitch! I'm Ada Wong." <laughs> So it turns out um, she actually has been talking to the doppelganger the entire time when she was talking to Simmons mm-hmm. up until this phone call. And just like for one reason or another, doppelganger Ada was able to like disguise her voice and whatnot. And she was trying to pretend she was Simmons, but Ada is like just too smart for her. <laughs> so she escapes Tall Oaks. Same time that Leon and Helena escaped Tall, no- Tall Oaks. Uh, just in time for the entire city to be nuked. So hey. Yeah, okay. Tall sure. Oaks is gone. So before we move on from that, uh Honeygain gives a a Leon a call and is like, hey yeah, I Simmons just left in a hurry. That was really strange. I I he said he was going to China for some reason. And Leon's like, huh, I guess I need to follow him. Uh Honeygain, can you fake our devs? And we'll just board a plane and go follow him? She's like, Oh yeah, sure, no problem. So yeah, they do that, and they literally book a passenger plane and fly to China. <laughs> they book a passenger plane after faking their deaths? It's hard to say if it's actually a passenger plane or if it's a military plane, because it's a weird mix of the two. Oh, okay. But it's definitely at least like a 747 that they're on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. A 747 that ends up getting infected with the sea virus and dramatically crashes into a Chinese city. Uh, literally destroying multiple buildings and probably killing thousands of people. Okay. Yeah, that happens. So, 
So we cut to a weird lab prison. And we finally get back to our friend Jake Muller, who's been in prison for six months. Now, it turns out he's been imprisoned by weird ICP clown mask wearing suits. Uh, like, they're basically, like, wearing business suits and whatnot, but they have, like, ICP clown masks that, like, disguise their voices. Uh-huh. And they go and, like, to take him to, like, do more experiments on him. Uh, but he manages to, like, subdue him and escape, and he, like, runs it to Sherry. And they're like, oh, man, that was crazy. That's been a really rough six months. Anyways, let's get out of here. <laughs> also, we're in China. We just know this. Resident Evil needs to stop doing time skips. It's, it's <laughs> always the stupidest thing. Yeah, because they act like they've been in prison for five minutes and not six months and yeah. experimented on constantly. They're like, well, this was just a thing. Anyways, <laughs> kind of weird. Man, Sherry, your hair didn't even grow out. That's weird. That's weird. So, so yeah, they, they end up escaping. And we're back with Chris and Pierce, who are trying to get into the same lab and are also murdering a bunch of clown people in order to, like, hunt down Neo Umbrella and Ada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and, like, th- their entire part of this game literally is just fighting a bunch of Java and there's a bunch of explosions and whatnot. And, like, they see Jake, like, like break out of the lab with Sherry and whatnot, and they figure out they're in specifically in Li Sheng, China. Now, turns out that Neo Umbrella wanted Jake because his dad, Wesker, had a bunch of antibodies that could resist anything, and they needed that to perfect the C-virus. Okay, makes sense. So, Jake learns about his family legacy, and he freaks out that his dad almost took out the world, and he's worried he'll be the same. Like, he's like, will I be an evil person like him? And Sherry's like, the way you're going, you definitely will be. He like, walks <laughs> off in a huff, and he's like, girl, damn. damn. I mean, I know he tried to hit up the U.S. government for $50 million, but still. So they find data on Jake's experiments and, like, get on the phone, like, get a phone that Sherry uses to call her bosses to get an extraction. And uh, turns out that her bosses are already in China. So it's like, oh, great. Easy. Uh, they get, like, attacked by more clown men in a helicopter, but Chris and his team manage to fight them off and let him escape. Uh, and, like, Sherry ends up running into the crash, like, uh, plane. And she sees Leon and Helena walk out. And Sherry's like, oh, shit, Leon. Dad, essentially. Right. <laughs> How's it going? And Leon's like, Sher- Sherry the hell are you doing here <laughs> it's like i work for the u.s government now he's like oh yeah i heard about that uh who's your friend oh he's like oh my friend's name is jake like oh uh hi hi jake it's nice to meet you what are we all doing here and before any answers can be said uh that leatherface dude shows up again and he's and the entire team has to fight him off like they drive by drop an electrical tower on him which also conveniently separates the two teams and they all go off in different directions. Mm-hmm. But not before Sherry reveals that her boss is Simmons, the national security advisor. Right. Of course. Yeah. Leon's like, oh, hey, you can't trust him. He's behind everything. And Sherry's like, but he's my boss. And Leon's like, yeah, but he's also evil. Just <laughs> keep that in mind. And she's like, uh, OK, I will. But bye. So they all split up to you know, try to get the Simmons their own way. And. Like, during the entire time, Sherry's like, should I trust Leon, or do I trust my boss? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, all this is happening, like, Chris and his team are beset by, like, a stealth snake that murders most of his team, like, other bioweapons that murder more of his team, and eventually it's down to just, like, Chris and Piers. Uh-huh. And, like, Piers is like, man, you... 
Your obsession with killing Ada is just getting everybody killed. You're a loose cannon, Chris Redfield. And Chris is like, hey, listen, man, I just need to do what I need to do. And you need to fall in line, soldier. And there's like a lot of tension between everybody. And like, but they're all like, he's like, you know what? If you don't want to follow me, I'll just go off by myself. And Pierce is like, oh, shut up. I'm going to, I'm going to follow you. We're going to do this together mm. because this is a co-op game. So right. we need a partner. So meanwhile, Leon follows purple Ada into a warehouse. At the same time, Chris and Piers also enter said warehouse. And so Chris and Piers like corner purple Ada just in time for Leon to show up and get to a rad fist fight with Chris because he's like, Chris is about to like just shoot her. Mm-hmm. This allows purple Ada to get away via flashbang. And now Chris and like uh, Leon are like holding each other at gunpoint. And like Leon's like, Chris, listen, you need to trust me. We need Ada. She she's the key behind everything. She knows she's a key witness. It's Simmons is the one who's behind everything. And Chris is like, but I just want her dead. And Leon's like, maybe she'd be less bloodthirsty. And Chris is like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> okay. All right. How about we'll go after, we'll go after Ada. She's heading for a Harbor. You go after Simmons and we'll link up later. He's like, okay, cool. Uh, Chris, by the way, I know you'll do the right thing. And Chris is like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I won't shoot her. It's fine. So back with Sherry and Jake, like, like they end up getting attacked by Leatherface again, like other things uh, and other enemies like Ada, like gives them cover with like sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they end up finally meeting up with Simmons just at the same time that Leon and Helena show up as well. And like Sherry's like, hey, boss, uh, is it true that you're evil? And he's like, ha, am I evil? All right, everybody kill Leon. <laughs> <laughs> And Sherry's like, how could he be doing this? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Leon does some, like, gung-fu diving stuff with two guns and, like, ends up killing most of the NSA members while Sherry and uh, and Jake escape because they're the keys to everything and whatnot. They, need, right. they still need Jake's blood to create a cure for the C-Virus. And, like, it's looking real bad for our national security advisor. And it's even worse when... Purple Ada shows up and shoots him with the C-Virus. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. And she's like, ha, boy, sucks to be you, huh? Anyways, later. <laughs> so he ends up, like, falling onto a train. Um, or jumping off onto a train, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a little bit more intentional action. And, like, Leon and Helena follow him. And... It's her, and this is when, oh, and at the same time, Jake and Sherry end up getting uh, captured by the clown people and taken away. Okay, sure. So it's at this point that, that Purple Ada reveals everything, just to, I think, no one in particular, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Good. So it turns out that Simmons has been shaping the entire world order because he's part of a quote-unquote family, the Illuminati, mm-hmm. and that they have been basically shaping events throughout the years. Now, the president of the United States was about to upset that by revealing the truth behind the Raccoon City incident, which would lower U.S. prestige, and that would make it bad for them. So they had him murdered. Mm-hmm. Now, on top of all of that, it turns out that for a long time, real Ada Wong was working with the Illuminati up until the events of Resident Evil 2. Now, when Resident Evil 2 happened and the city got nuked, Ada was like, I'm actually, this is actually a line. There's a line that has been crossed for me somehow. Uh-huh. I, I can't work with you anymore. The problem is that Ada was their best agent, and also, two, Simmons was madly in love with her. 
And so he decided he needed to create the perfect replica of Ada. What? And his way of doing that was kidnapping hundreds of women, smart, intelligent women, and using viruses and stuff to basically turn them into weird cocoon monsters that would give birth to a new Ada. And eventually, using a woman named Carla, he succeeded in creating a new Ada. Which he was like, I'm going to program this Ada to be completely obedient to me, and she will be the perfect Ada, and I will have my waifu again, and it will be great. Unfortunately, just like Alex Wesker, though, in Resident Evil 2, eventually those memories start to resurface, and the original personality starts to take over, and so Carla's memories come back, and she's like, oh, you kind of ruined me. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, it's time for me to get my revenge, and so she basically set the entire events of this game in, you know, in motion. Uh, and her plan is that she is going to basically release the virus all over the world in multiple major cities, creating a bunch of zombies and hopefully causing the end of the world. And she's going to do this using an aircraft carrier that's conveniently in the same Chinese city that is loaded up with missiles full of virus. Okay, one, this is so stupid, but two... Mm -hmm. Why is why are all the aircraft on the aircraft carrier loaded up with the virus? Yeah, I don't know exactly how she got the infrastructure to do that and do that without Simmons noticing. But, yeah, um, or or anyone like does she control a branch of the military? Chinese military specifically? Yeah, I don't know. She just found a way. She just she just has an aircraft carrier now. I mean, to be fair, when you are part Ada Wong and you are just literally magic. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, this is something I could totally, like, if real Ada Wong was able to pull this off, I'd be like, nah, scans completely. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how she managed to pull this off, but she did. <laughs> uh, so back with the, back with good old uh, Simmons and Leon and Helena and whatnot. Uh, Simmons like immediately starts like mutated whatnot. Like he still retains mm. his intelligence, but he's like very very angry and turns into a bio dog. Oh, that's not where yeah. I was expecting that to go. I wasn't either, and so like he ends up getting pushed off the train. Like the train hits him, like and causes him to pirouette up in the sky and like somehow transform back into a human, albeit still a mutated human, which then turns into a weird centipede Cerberus monster. Okay. Which then immediately gets shot in the face in a cutscene and then falls over a bridge into an ocean. Okay, so that sounds like a boss fight they couldn't make work. Mm hmm. But they got the model rigged and it would be a shame to waste that. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I do want to emphasize to the audience at home that the transforming into the centipede Cerberus, yeah, this is all one continuous cutscene of that happening, Helene shooting him in the face, him falling into ocean. So yeah, yeah, that's exactly, I think that's exactly what happened. <laughs> this game that is somehow four games stitched together was somehow over scope. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so back with Purple Ada, Chris and Pierce catch up with her only to reveal that, once, oh yeah, the aircraft carriers and all that. And she's like, huh, yeah, kind of bad, huh? Anyways, you all gonna get messed up. And by messed up, I mean I am, because it turns out the um, an Illuminati helicopter just shows up. A guy with a suit shoots her with a sniper rifle, and she just falls dramatically to her death. Oh. Like, little, they literally show her falling and splatting on the ground. Oh. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, she's dead. Hmm. Huh. And so Chris is like, oh, man. Well, 
so much for that. It's like, well, we need to get to the, we need to stop that aircraft carrier before it fires those missiles. Uh, there's a couple of, uh, Wait, a couple of fighter jets. Oh, go ahead. Who's controlling the aircraft carrier? Uh, probably Javo, you know, probably infected. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, Tristan Pierce get into fighter jets to go and blow up the aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. Which, actually, not the most ridiculous thing in this game, given that Chris is technically an Air Force pilot. True, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about Pierce, but eh. Yeah. But they end up, like, blowing up the aircraft carrier, but not before a missile is fired into the city, infecting everybody and turning it to zombies, which... Poor Leon. Yeah. This is literally two straight days of zombie-filled cities for him. Yeah. Yeah, like, Chris is like, Leon, are you okay? And Leon's like, yeah, it's bad down here, though. Gonna have to find a way to escape. And also Chris is like, oh, by the way, uh, Ada's dead. And Leon's, like, kind of crestfallen about this. He's like, oh, but I really like her. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Leon, buddy, this is... <laughs> how many times has, has Ada died in front of... Come on, it's fine. You know she's fine. Uh, so back with Ada, by the way, she saw mm. Ada fall so... Uh, she saw Purple Ada also fall to her death. Uh -huh. And so she goes to check up on her and, like, talks to the corpse. And is like, oh, yeah, by the way, I, I totally know that you were, um, you were a fake and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, just kind of wanted to let you know that I was, like, three steps ahead of you and Simmons this entire time. Uh, and also, I know that you intentionally brought this... brought me into this entire thing to act as, like, a check against you because you still had a conscious... So, know all that. Just letting you know. Anyway, see you later. Hey, okay, but is that she a syringe didn't... in your hand? Oh. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it turns out while she was falling to her death, she injected herself with the sea virus and turns into a blob monster. Sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which Ada then, like, fights off. Uh, there's a really good, like, line in there where fake Ada tells, like, real Ada, it's like, my plans aren't failing, they're thriving! And Ada's like, nah, now they aren't. <laughs> anyway, see you later. <laughs> so, uh, basically, at this point, uh, Purple Ada ends up leaving the story entirely. She ends up dying. So, okay, sure. So, Leon Adam, uh, ends up like fighting some information that tells him that Jake uh, is, going, is actually hidden now on this underwater oil rig. Why do they keep going back to underwater? I don't understand. Oh, wow, that really has been a recurring theme, hasn't it? I just... Why? Because the sea is scary, man. Sharks, the ultimate bioweapon. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's like the one boss in Resident Evil 1 you didn't, didn't kill? Do you kill the shark? I don't remember. Hmm. The shark was bad. I think the shark gets blown up, if I remember correctly. Probably. But, well, everything yeah. gets blown up, but yeah. This is very true. So yeah, Leon tells Chris that. He's like, hey, you need to go rescue him, because he's the key to everything. Also, he's uh, Albert Wesker's son. And Chris is like, oh. Huh. Weird. Did you need to tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Leon's like, okay, we need to get out of this city. And, like, you know, things are going bad. There's zombies everywhere. An explosion happens. Plana gets injured, uh, and things are about to go bad when, you know, real Ada shows up in a helicopter and, like, distracts the zombies for them to get away. They make their way to this tower uh, that uh, has a bunch of survivors in there, uh, only to find out that when they arrive, all the survivors is dead, because uh, it turns out Simmons is still alive, and he's there and murdered everybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So, like, they fight him off, and Simmons is like, oh, man, this is... I have no idea why Leon is so good at this. <laughs> like, goes up to the roof to, like, try to escape, and so they, like, follow him up there. Like, it almost looks like Leon dies when, like, the elevator he's in explodes, but he's able... Him and Helena are able to jump just in time. Like, you see uh, Ada, who's, like, in the helicopter, like, look worried for, like, half a second. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, like, smug. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Ah, look at that. He survived. Yay. <laughs> God. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, like Ada actually ends up getting in contact with him. Is like, hey, Leon, just to let you know, uh, you know, there's uh, something on. I left you a gift in a helicopter up there. I'm gonna let you handle everything else, uh, and uh, you just, uh, just don't die out there. See you later. I'm out. And Leon's like, are you gonna? Ah, oh, man, damn it. And then he's like, hey, do you want to like, go after her? Because it's very clear that you're like in love with her. And he's mm-hmm. like, nah, if I do that, you will literally die. So let's get out of here. Yeah, okay, good call. Mm-hmm. So they end up fighting Simmons again, and he falls into explosions. Sure. <laughs> and they, like, they get to the helicopter, and they find there's a compact there. And in the compact, there is a data chip that uh, basically reveals literally everything. Uh. And they're about to fly away in the helicopter when Simmons shows up again. It, he ends up getting like thrown off the roof. He falls down onto an obelisk statue that impales him, and this somehow kills him. Okay, sure. That's the thing that does it. All right. Right? Now, the best part about this, though, is that he bleeds, and underneath him is like this weird design that's like kind of, I don't know, kind of looks like the Umbrella logo, but it's not. Uh-huh. Until the blood runs just the right way that it fills in enough of the triangles to make the Umbrella logo. Okay, and? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah, I had no follow-up. Okay, so. what is the point of any of this? <laughs> like what what you know neil umbrella is dead and he's symbolically dead and so here's the logo with him him dead on the obelisk above it to signify that umbrella is also now dead finally i thought umbrella was already dead oh yeah but then neil umbrella got formed did it did it actually sort of because simmons was behind it but not really yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so, and the last thing that Ada does in this entire game is that she makes her way to another secret lab where she sees another Ada being born. Uh-huh. Which she then immediately shoots and then angrily destroys the entire lab while talking about her lack of humanity and dramatic music plays. And then as everything is on fire, she gets a call, takes a new job. And she's like, and then she immediately just gets back to her, like, smug self. And then she exits the game, and as far as I know, the series at this point. Yeah, yes? I don't know. I mean, I can't wait to read up on Resident Evil 7 and 8 and find out that she just makes a cameo appearance somewhere. I would not be shocked. She might. I mean... My understanding is she does not, but I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah. Sure. So... We finally cut back to Chris and Pierce, who do get to the other sea oil field secret base with biolabs. Mm-hmm. And Chris reveals to Piers that he needs to put this war behind him, that all this anger, all this suffering, it's just not for him anymore. Oh my and he god, tells, what is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> he tells Piers, hey listen, I want you to leave the BSAA field team in my absence. 
And Pierce is like, no, we need you. He's like, no. This is basically my retirement speech before we go on this suicide mission. <laughs> this is a scene that's going to age poorly. I know that much. Oh, yes, it will. <laughs> it's going to age poorly in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> because Chris finds Jake and Sherry locked up in a weird lab and managed to free them. And then Chris like meets up with Jake and is like, oh, by the way, uh, your dad was Albert Wesker and I know him and I killed him. Which is, and Sherry's like, is this the time? <laughs> right. Um, also, I feel like everyone knew that to some extent. You would think so, but Jake did it, and Jake's very upset and points a gun at Chris. For what? Upset about which thing? About his dad being murdered. I thought Admittedly he, for good reason. I thought he knew his dad was evil. And like a weird snake monster or something. I don't remember. <laughs> He seemed to know a lot about him, yeah, but, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's still upset, because he's like, I grew up without a dad, who, d- I didn't really have a dad in the first place, but right. still. And, like, Chris is like, hey, no, listen, you, you deserve to shoot me, it's fine. Does he? Do it. Okay, so this is suicide by contrivance. Yeah, pretty much. Jake doesn't take the bait, though. Like, he fires a bolt next to his head, mm. and is like... This is, and he's literally like, listen, this isn't the time. <laughs> we need to handle things. Yeah. There's, there's more bioweapon stuff down here, and we need to stop it, which is exactly what they do. Uh, and he needs to get out of there to get the cure. So, like, a giant bioweapon cocoon opens up and attacks everyone, which starts to destroy the entire complex. Uh, Jake and Sherry manage to exit while Piers and Chris are, like, doing their best to, like, cover their escape. But, like, Pierce gets absolutely wrecked. Like, he gets impaled. Chris is getting messed up and is about to die. So Pierce is like, I, I happen to have this syringe the C-virus I got earlier. Well. <laughs> so he infects himself. Mm-hmm. Grows a cool arm and uses that to, like, basically destroy the bioweapon. And so Chris is like, oh, geez, Pierce, uh, don't worry. We're going to get you out of here, okay? And so that he carries him to an escape pod, which then Pierce is like, pushes Chris in and is like, locks him in and is like, Anyways, see you later. While Chris is like, no, my entire team's dead again. <laughs> and so he basically launches the escape pod while the basically the entire base goes down around Pierce, killing him. Uh, also, by the way, uh, Leatherface is somehow still alive and on the, the, uh, the base as well. And then Jack and Sherry kill him by dunking him in the slag. Oh, the okay. end. Cool. And so, yeah, uh, the game ends with... Uh, couple of different things first we have helena saying goodbye to deborah at her grave and getting ready to be arrested for you know helping to assassinate the president right when uh leon just gives her a gun back and is like hey guess what you're joining our team now congratulations what decided yeah no like we decided that uh the evidence against you uh wasn't enough to convict and you did that under duress and you helped save the world so it's okay and she's like that doesn't make sense but all right i guess Wait, which also, team is he even referring to? I guess whatever same team that's quite close to the president that him and Huntington are a part of. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, she also gives him um, Ada's compact and says, for the next time you see her, give that to her. What? Yeah, it kind of is a thing being like, hey, listen, I'm kind of in love with you, but you need to go be with your true love, which is the the crazy woman who is three steps ahead of everybody. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh. And he's like, huh. And Leon literally goes, huh, women. <laughs> For Chris's ending, Chris is basically now back in the same bar, except no longer drunk, but eating a steak. The same steak that Piers was eating when uh, 
well, not the exact same one, but it right. looks like the same steak that he was eating when he met up with Chris again. Mm-hmm. A soldier cause, like shows up that looks like Piers to basically tell him, hey, listen, uh, we have a mission. We need to go, Captain. He's like, all right, got to go and continue being a soldier. I'm not affected by anything at all. Mm-hmm. And finally, with Sherry, Sherry reveals that the U.S. government covered everything up and that Jake's blood successfully makes, made a cure. Uh, we also find out that he lowered his asking price from $50 million to $50. Uh, and he's like, and Jake feels pretty good about himself. Now he has a rad motorcycle and he rides off into the sunset. And that's Resident Evil 6. Alex, how are you feeling? You know, I feel like someone could have just come up to me and said, the story of Resident Evil 6 is about Ada Wong. And I would have been like, that's a bad idea. Yeah. This is going to be bad. Yeah, and somebody said, how about the mysterious character that we barely ever explain? Uh, what if we just make her kind of the central focal point of this game? Yeah. And also, by the way, her scenario only becomes unlocked after, after you beat the other three. It's, the yeah. only reason Ada Wong is still around is because she's hot and people like that. That's <laughs> literally it. She doesn't really have much of a character besides that and, like, knowing, knowingly knowing everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's... It's a character... Even even with all that, though, she is a character that I do end up ultimately liking. Even yeah. though she is a nothing character. She, she in some is... Ways. She is fun, but she's not, like, significant. No, she's like, not. That would be... She is literally just Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And Catwoman is fun, but you don't build the story around of someone is making Catwoman clones because pathos. <laughs> because the National Security Advisor is very horny for her, and it's sad that she, she left. So let's just bomb China with viruses, I guess. Yeah, and also just... Really, the best cloning program you have is kidnapping a bunch of women, infecting them with viruses until they turn into weird cocoon monsters. It worked for Oswald Spencer, I guess. I guess it did. But man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think the thing that also gets me about this entire story is that at the end of this, there's only one character who's going to show up after this and have any relevance to the story. Right. And it's going to be Chris Redfield, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Like, every other character is like, well, they're out. Leon's, I guess he's doing his thing. Uh, this new Wesker that we have that maybe we could explore further? Nah, no. he's his story's done. Yeah. I Well, I feel like after this, Capcom's going to make the conscious decision to just throw this away. Yeah. Like, yeah, nothing about this has to be real. Yeah, it's... um. Like, I say that with a twinge of disappointment, but at the on the other hand, I know how Resident Evil 7 and 8 have gone. Right. And I know that it was unabashedly the right decision. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Yeah, the, um, the soft reboot that they're going to do with those two games is going to be to great service. Yes, it's, it's absolutely the right move. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is fine if people like this game. I get that there's fun to be had with it, but, like, ultimately nothing is lost from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really isn't. Like, the events of this game, they don't matter. No. When you really think about it. No. When you think about what happens in Resident Evil 7, which we'll get to next week, they don't matter. That's really the theme of today's episode. Yeah. Is that 
This doesn't matter. But that it's so weird because for Revelations it makes sense because it's like a spin-off on handheld systems. Like of course mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. But like Resident Evil 6 was supposed to be just the biggest the franchise had ever been. It was mm-hmm. supposed to be like Capcom's biggest game ever. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's like this is so dumb it can't matter. It was a game where people were talking, people at Capcom were talking about, this is going to take four to eight years to make. Right. And then they made it and was like, oh, this is just a jumbled mess of ideas. Yeah. Which, by the way, knowing Capcom and hearing four to eight years to make, it's like, no, it's not. No, no, no it's, it's not. not. Capcom's not going to make a game for eight years. That No. No. <laughs> this game entered development in 2009, and mm. it came out in 2012. It was th- a three-year development cycle, yeah. as you would expect. Yes, that's what Capcom does. Mm-hmm. If anything Capcom has threatens to go beyond that, it's dead. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and... And like this, uh, these like three games are really just Capcom being its most Capcom when it comes to plots in general. Just yeah, like the constant escalation, the constant pushing the envelope. Yeah, the, uh, the inability to keep things grounded. It's and like it's really emblematic of where Capcom was at this point, especially because yeah. like around this time, Resident Evil might as well have been the only thing good that was going for them. And yeah, well, and like relatively speaking, because even mm-hmm. even five with like long-term fans of the series they were giving it a side eye and being like this is kind of just turning into a shooter Mm -hmm. but yeah compared to the state of devil may cry street Mm -hmm. fighter lost planet oh god lost planet three yeah lost planet three yeah yeah oh it was bad capcom was was in a bad place at this time Mm-hmm. And Resident Evil Six was supposed to sort of be a hail mary, if not for the company's reputation, then at least for its profits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Capcom was in a really bad spot at this point, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, like Last Planet Three, another game that was incredibly bad, came out in 2013. So yeah, it was just it was not it was not a banner banner year for them. Yeah. For no. Set of years, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and. But after this, they are going to right the ship. And like Capcom, like Capcom nowadays is in a really good spot. It it is in a shockingly good spot. Like they don't make a lot of things, but what they do Mm -hmm. make tend to be pretty solid hits. Mm -hmm. And uh, next week, we're going to be talking about one of the first of those solid hits, I would say. Uh, Kind of like Mm -hmm. the first wave of like the Capcom revitalization that's ongoing now. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully we'll continue with resident evil 7 and finishing up with resident evil 8 and i don't know if we have time maybe we'll talk about some other really dumb spinoffs before <laughs> we finally close the book on this <laughs> alex do you have any final thoughts i feel like i just remember watching the paul anderson movies and going mm-hmm. what is this crap this isn't what resident evil is like and just Amazing props to Resident Evil 6 for proving me wrong all those years later. Yeah, no, it turns out those that is exactly what those were. Yeah. It just it just, they were just ahead of the time. They were ahead of the curve. And and the games got there and were somehow even dumber. <laughs> they somehow were. <laughs> 
Oh, man. <sighs> My final thoughts is that I wonder if they're going to do a third Resident Evil game on a cruise ship. I hope they do. I hope so. But, like, no, I don't know. I guess at the end of that game will be there's a lab at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for us today. Alex, thank you for joining us as always. Of course. And if y'all like episodes like this, you should check out ftp.podme.com or search Fallen Through Plotholes on your podcast service of choice. But, of course, leave a like, a subscribe, uh, you know, leave a review. We'd definitely like to get some feedback on how we're doing. But with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Take care, everybody. Take care.